This is the NIL Report. This is all about college athletics and their opportunity for student athletes to make money off their own personal brands. They've all been posting and helping our brand as brand ambassadors for UWM. And at the same time, we've been paying them and taking care of every player. How does it come together? Who are the major players? Like you said, nobody's going to want you if you're not you know, performing out on the court. Right on, the playing field has changed. At the end of the day, that's between the student athlete and the brand. You're going to hear all about it in the NIL Report. All right, welcome to this inaugural episode of the NIL Report. I'm Jeff Sloan here with Michael Spath. We're excited about this, Michael. Jeff, this is an awesome opportunity. You know, I've been teaching at the University of Michigan in my class. We teach name, image, and likeness. And it's usually the first thing we teach in the business of college athletics. And I've got so many student athletes and, you know, they don't quite understand name, image, and likeness. They're trying to take advantage of it right now. It's only been a law since July uh, 1st of 2021. They're trying to figure out, fans are trying to figure out, alumni that maybe want to strike a deal or trying to figure out businesses are trying to figure it out. Schools are trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I look forward to bringing my expertise as a small business expert and entrepreneurial expert to bear as well on the NIL report. And what we want to do on this podcast is kind of bring the what's happening, the latest news, maybe the latest deals getting done, who's doing what and how are they doing it? What do those deals look like? Who's getting them done both between the athletes themselves, as well as the companies that are putting up the cash to get these athletes on board to help make their businesses more successful. That's the whole idea. We'll talk about some best practices. We're going to have great interviews. Great show ahead today. Tell us who we've got. Yeah, we're featuring Kerry Hoyt, uh, administrator for the, the Ohio State University, the person who's in charge of name, image, and likeness for the Buckeye program. We'll also be speaking to Hunter Dickinson, current Michigan basketball player, arguably the best player in the Big Ten for this year. And Matt Ishbia, very successful entrepreneur for United Wholesale Mortgage, alumnus, former Michigan State Spartan basketball player, who has struck a deal with the Spartans basketball and football programs. A landmark deal, and there you have it. Those three, you've got the administration level at a major university, you've got the great athlete, and you've got the great brand, the great company looking to align with these athletes. We're going to get right to it. Let's do that, Michael. Let's jump right in on this edition of the NIL Report. I'm excited to talk to Kerry Hoyt because one of the schools that I think has been out in front of this has been Ohio State. They've been working on this for quite a while, and Kerry Hoyt has been the leader. She was handpicked by Gene Smith, the athletic director for Ohio State, to run the name, image, and likeness program with the Buckeyes. And so, you know, from the get-go for about 18 months now, Kerry Hoyt and Ohio State have been putting in the work, the effort, the time to create a program that's going to benefit their student-athletes at Ohio State. And I think this is really interesting. So I I was spending a lot of time, you know, doing some background and we talked about name, image, and likeness in in my class the very first week, actually. It's called the History of College Athletics, but we started with like right in the present. And I think this is pretty crazy that as an administrator, as a former coach, you have spent your entire life in a world where if a student athlete received compensation or if they met with an agent, they were suspended immediately. They were in a chance that they could be dismissed from the team. And then on July 1st, 2021, a light switch was flipped. And literally everything that you guys had done as coaches, well, we got to police this, we got to police this, we got to tell the kids this, just changed overnight. And I'm curious, like, what that has been like for an administrator who has spent their entire lives with one set of rules, and now the rules are completely different. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been really wild. Um, you know, I think f- largely for our compliance people, I think they have had to make the biggest adjustment. Um, you know, there's, there's just so many opportunities for student athletes. And, you know, there's just, it used to be, we used to look for ways to try and 
find ways to say yes, you know, to, to let athletes um, be able to do, you know, activities outside of their sport um, within the rules. And, and now it's, you know, we find ourselves looking and reviewing deals and, and looking at, at all of this NIL activity. And it's, you know, there's really no reason to, to, to not allow it. Um, so it's, it's definitely opened things wide up uh, here at Ohio State. So it's exciting, but definitely a, a change of mindset for sure. Well, Carrie, this is a bit of a leading question. I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure and just get, get it clear. You are in favor of this, right? You're not only in favor, but I would say reading everything I've read about you and, and what's going on at Ohio State and the way you guys have approached this, you're excited about it, right? Absolutely. Um, and our athletic director, Gene Smith, has been an advocate for name, image, and likeness for many years. And so uh, this is something that we've been talking about, obviously, well before July 1st. Um, you know, we didn't know the exact timing and, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a fast switch to on uh, this summer. But um, certainly we had been planning and um, super excited for our student athletes. Kerry, you mentioned that, and it's interesting because I read one of the articles, I think it was in the Columbus Dispatch, that said that you and Ohio State have been planning for this for a year and a half. Is that an accurate timeline? And I guess, like, what created that urgency in you 18 months ago? And certainly kind of take us just a little bit through getting to the point where here we are on July 1st and it goes into effect. Right. You, uh, you know, Gene has been on a number of working groups and, and uh, you know, served on the CFP. And so I think these conversations have been happening um, at a high level for a number of years. And about 18 months ago, Gene formed an internal working group here at Ohio State with compliance people, trademark and licensing. And we really just started discussing if the NCAA would move in this direction, what would that look like? How would we get our team together here at Ohio State? And so we really had been um, getting behind the idea of, of reviewing the NCAA legislation that was out there and, and kind of formulating our policy based on what we thought the NCAA was going to do. Uh, you know, obviously that did not happen. And so, you know, April, May, June, we really kind of transitioned into understanding what a state law might look like and how that might uh, come into play. And so, you know, that was really sort of the fast forward uh, little bit of a pivot from thinking we would have more direction from the NCA and then suddenly, um, you know, having a lot more uh, freedom and, and uh, you know, liberal opportunities that we could provide for our student athletes. Yeah, I think it's incredible that the NCAA kind of punted on this, right? They just said like, hey, we're going to leave it up to every state, follow the law that is in the state. And an executive order by your governor went into effect late in June of this year, 2021, right before the NCAA approved this legislation. But let me ask you this, Carrie, is why were, you know, you talked about Gene Smith having those internal conversations 18 months ago. Why were you so proactive? Because I've seen other universities that I don't want to say were caught you know, like completely blindsided by this. But I've talked to administrators who are like, hey, you got to give us six months, a year to put things into place. And I say, well, hold on a second. Ohio State was doing this stuff many months before. Why are you just doing this on July 1st? Yeah, I, th I think it speaks to our athletic director. I mean, he's very forward thinking. Um, this is something that he has wanted for many years and, and has advocated for it at the NCAA level. And so, you know, I think he always knew that this was coming. It was just a, a how it was going to be rolled out. You know, was it going to be the NCAA? Was it going to be part of the Alston case? Was it going to be federal legislation? You know, those are just the details uh, that we had to work through last minute. But, you know, we were we knew this was coming and, and felt he felt very confident that, you know, in his time as an AD, this would be something we would uh, have to deal with and, and uh, roll out to our teams. 
Kerry, why? I mean, what what is the motivating force at the university level? I certainly understand the benefit to the athletes and potentially ultimately to the brands and so on. But what is the benefit to the university and how do you guys view that in this equation? You know, I think at its core, you know, we, we look at the students at Ohio State and their ability to use their talent and skills uh, without you know, being over-legislated on, on what opportunities they can uh, pursue. And so I think, you know, for us, uh, it's just giving that same opportunity to our student-athletes. Carrie, let me ask you this, because you mentioned the executive order that was signed by the, the governor of Ohio in June. And uh, I thought what was interesting, as I, read the, as I read the executive order yesterday, I mean, in his opening paragraph, he talks about this from a, we need to sign this because we are concerned about the recruiting disadvantage that we will be placed in if we don't sign this. And uh, North Carolina, Florida, California, Texas, all these other states that have the law already in place, and we've got to make sure that we're keeping up. And so you mentioned the, the question Jeff asked you about, you know, why do this? And you mentioned the student athlete, but how much of the motivation is about, well, look, we need to, we need to be, this is a recruiting opportunity for the Ohio State University. And we are already over the last 15 years, you've established yourself, especially in football, that you are the premier institution in the Big Ten and that you are going to college football playoffs. And if we want to stay there, we have to have this in place because student athletes are going to look at schools in the future and say, where is the best opportunity to make money off of my own personal brand? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a reality. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's been the driving factor for us, um, but a, certainly, you know, if you have all the schools in the SEC and, and other states providing this opportunity to student athletes, you know, there's no there's no possible way to keep up with the potential draw to another institution where an athlete can monetize on their name, image, and likeness if they can't do it at Ohio State. Carrie, let me ask you this too, because the executive order, I thought this was really interesting. And I this is the one thing that I want to understand because um, I'll be honest, I've talked to a number of administrators at different schools right now. And the thing that I keep on hearing over and over again is uh, we're not going to facilitate, we are not going to broker the deals between businesses and the student athletes. And, you know, I'd be curious on your take, because when I look at the law, and you can tell me if I'm reading it wrong, but it doesn't say that you're not allowed to, it just says that you're not required to do this uh, for the student athlete. And so that's a little bit, that's just language, but essentially one says you don't have to do this, but it doesn't say you can't do this. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things institutionally that when we, you know, came up with our, our policy that we just made a decision that we were not going to be in the middle of the deals for the student athletes and the brands, um, you know, and, and that's just something that we believe in. And when we're not doing that, um, it's, it's, you know, the student athletes wanted this, you know, we had some outspoken football players over the years and, and other student athletes who, who want this opportunity. And so from our perspective, we're providing education, trying to get them in a place where they are able to manage some of these, you know, larger deals and, and opportunities. But at the end of the day, that's between the student athlete and the brand, right? I mean, these, these are adult decisions. Um, and so, you know, we were just trying to help prepare them so that when the opportunity comes, they know how to handle it. Yeah. And I think it's great. I think what you guys have done, I'd characterize it more as support and guidance as opposed to, you know, facilitating directly uh, the deals, as you mentioned. But for example, you guys brought in a digital marketing company to help advise and coach and, and educate the players on to what the possibilities are and how to, you know, best use their brands in the way which drives the kind of monetary result they're looking for back to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, we did we did do a partnership with Open Doors, and um, you know, partially for the education. I personally really, really um, like their social media assessment. 
that they do for all of our student athletes. Um, you know, it's just a really good overall look at how to improve, not just for NIL, but in life and when it's time to get a job and, and all of those things. So that was a big draw. Uh, and then we're using their system right now um, to monitor. That's how the athletes are disclosing the deal. So it's, you know, there was a, there was a lot of thought and um, care went into that decision to, to make uh, a partnership with Open Doors. And um, so far, it's gone really well. Carrie, well, one of the things that has stood out to me is so is early on, we saw a couple of big names and big deals. Uh, and Alabama's uh, Nick Saban, the football coach there, announced, I think he was the very first one, and said, Bryce Young, our quarterback, has a million dollars worth of endorsement deals, and this is great for Alabama football. Uh, and Olivia Dunn from uh, the gymnastics uh, athlete yep. at LSU, uh, you know, they never put like a number on it, but they've said, hey, she's she has an opportunity with her following to make somewhere between one and four million dollars. And what I've run into is a lot of athletes who have said like, well, where's my $1 million deal or where's my, and I think as I've seen this, as I've watched it, there's been a lot smaller deals that have gone into place. And I think that was the intent of name, image, and likeness was just to create opportunity, not for people to make millions of dollars, but to them make a couple hundreds or a thousand dollars a month or something like that too, uh, for them to learn experience. So let me ask you this. Do you think, because there's a young man at Ohio state, a quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who signed a $1.4 million deal over the next three years. Is that good for Ohio State, or is that bad for Ohio State? Because then everybody's asking, well, where is my $1.4 million deal? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think it, you know, it really speaks to Coach Day and his ability to manage the locker room. Um, you know, anybody that's ever coached or had a team understands the impact that that can have in a locker room. Um, and so, you know, I don't know whether we know at this moment in time whether that deal is good or bad for Ohio State. Um, you know, I think that obviously things will um, unfold and, and, and we'll see how, how that goes. But obviously, you know, for that young man, that's a, a pretty remarkable opportunity, um, you know, for, for a young quarterback. I, I would think that it would be a recruiting advantage if you can use it the right way, right? Like, hey, uh, and, and, and I know that Jeff was curious about this a little bit, the passive side versus the aggressive side. It's like, how do you use this? Do you, do you take that deal and Ohio state splash it all over social media and repurpose that and repackage that and say, look, if you're, if you come to our school, this is an opportunity that you have, or do you, do you steer clear of that a little bit and say, it's great that he announced that, but we don't want to get in the business of essentially selling that type of number or selling uh, the idea that this is you, you come to Ohio state and this is what you're going to get. Like maybe what Nick Saban was doing. Yeah. A little bit what Nick Saban <laughs> right. was doing. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Institutionally in our athletic department, that's not something that we're going to publicize and put that out there, you know, program by program. If a coach has a, you know, a, a recruit that, has a very specific interest in their opportunities at Ohio State. You know, the reality is Columbus, Ohio will sell itself um, in this market. And so, you know, I, I, I don't foresee that being a um, something that we use as Ohio State Athletics to get recruits. I think, though, Ohio State University clearly has an advantage in that you guys are who you are, say, for example, in the world of football. And I think many athletes looked at institutions before as a path to professional sports and to the, maybe to the big contract. And I think a lot of what happened there is going to happen here. The best athletes, those that use the program to their advantage in the, the, the optimal way, are going to benefit most from this. So taking advantage of the kinds of support the university offers, taking advantage of a university that offers great exposure uh, like Ohio State does, it's going to benefit them directly as it relates to this program. 
So it's there, you know, for you guys, for example, it's there more passively. That's the point I made to you earlier, right. Michael. Uh, you know, it just is there. It's not something you guys really have to sell hard. Athletes know that Ohio State's a path to both a, a great opportunity for a great professional career and in, in, in the kind of money that goes with that, as well as as it relates to the NIL opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a fair way to, to position it. You know, we're not we're not going to be out. Uh, you know, I, I'm, some people probably saw a couple weeks ago, Open Doors did a, like a, the state of Ohio's number one in NIL deals. And mm-hmm. um, the Big Ten Conference has the most disclosures or I, I don't know exactly the language that they use. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we made a decision as a department that we weren't going to splash that out at, at Ohio State Athletics. And, you know, if, if a sport coach or um, a team wanted to use that on their social media where, you know, we're not going to say no, it's, mm-hmm. it's a fact that was put out. Um, but you know, it's not going to, we're not going to be out, you know, throwing that around as what we're all about. Let me ask you this question. Cause the two biggest things that I want to get your take on that have come up that I've heard a lot about is, and I, I think I know where you're going to go, but I, but I want to hear kind of how you explain it is the idea of pay for play. And so pay for play is illegal. Pay for play has always been illegal. Um, there are enough rumors. You have been in your position for a long enough time that you know there have been recruits that have been recruited by institutions that have been said, hey, we will give you something under the table to come to our university. And now there's this idea that everything that has been taking that has been taking place illegally has been put out there in the light that you can do this legally. Come to an institution. We won't use a name. We won't say an ac- a place out there. But I will guarantee you a deal, a name, image, and likeness deal for 250000 for a million bucks to come to our school. So how do you avoid this? How do you avoid pay for play? How do you avoid an alumnus for Ohio State University saying, going up to five recruits that Ryan Day is actively um, interested in and saying, hey, if you come to Ohio State, I will make up something. I am a hundred, I have a hundred million dollars. I will make up a business or I will have some type of retail where I just want you to come to Ohio state and I'm going to guarantee you a certain amount of money so that you come and play for us. Yeah, it's a great question. And and I actually have um, some strong opinions on the pay for play as, as I'm reviewing things and, and seeing things in the NIL space. But to your first question about how do you avoid that? You know, honestly, this is this is nothing new in college athletics. If those conversations were happening on campuses, this is just another avenue for that. I mean, you know, I don't. At Ohio State, um, one of the things that we hold true to in our NIL policy is that you can't just get money for being on a team. That's not that's not what NIL is. Um, and so, you know, we certainly don't anticipate those kinds of things. Now, the the issue with that is, there. It can be a tweet. It can be an autograph signing. Mm-hmm. There, you know, the there are so many ways to get at an NIL deal um, that I think ultimately uh, there will be federal legislation to kind of kind of get some uh, guide rails in place for those type of situations. Now, I will say one of the more interesting things that we've we've seen um, in terms of the pay for play space, and uh, I don't know that it's been defined very well at this point, just in terms of um, athletic performance, uh, increasing your value, whether it's social media or just the your personal brand. So if I'm an all-American wrestler, what does that do for my social media following? And can my NIL deal be increased based on that level of achievement in my sport? So those are kind of some of the things that we're seeing and having conversations about that um, I think we still need to get some clarity on. Mm-hmm. Because what has felt like a pay-for-play scenario, 
we've gotten feedback from conferences that perhaps it is just an increase in, in market value. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think those are going to be some of the conversations and, and clarity that we need to get uh, moving forward. And, and like I said, the scenarios that we see and, and, and the creativity of brands and student athletes, it's, you know, every day it's like, wow, I didn't think of that. Yeah, right, <laughs> uh, right. Um, so it's, it's been it's been really interesting, but I, I definitely think that we need some some guide rails in place um, to just level the playing field nationally. Yeah, I think the big thing, Carrie, is that right now it is still a state by state, right? And it's an institution by institution, or maybe it's a conference by conference. Maybe the Big Ten is giving you some guidance on what how they want you to do this. But really, the NCAA kind of punted on this. They kind of just said like, hey, we're no longer going to be the authority on this. We're going to allow everybody to run themselves. As this goes forward, the NCAA needs to either recapture this or there needs to be some type of agreement among all the power five conferences or all the group of five or just some type of level of like, we're all going to sign to some type of deal, or maybe it's national legislation. Instead of allowing it to be state by state, it needs to have a national authority. This is what's going to be uh, put into place because I, I think this idea that everybody's running with slightly tweaks. I mean, I've read now, I've now read seven state laws and they're all pretty similar, but there's a little bit here and there. And so there needs to be some type of, uh, you know, national program that's put in place. The other question I did have for you beyond pay for play was gender equity a little bit. This is a big thing. I, I teach the history of college athletics and we spend a lot of time talking about title nine and what title nine means for an institution. And I think one of the big things that I've heard is a reason like we're not going to facilitate these deals is because if you facilitate a deal for the men's team, you better damn well facilitate a deal for a women's team um, in, in regards to Title IX. And so I wonder what your thoughts are about, and I've heard this notion before, and there are some some successful female athletes out there right now, the, the Cavender mm -hmm. twins from Fresno State, who announced one of the big deals. I mentioned Olivia Dunn. Uh, there is yeah. a young athlete, track athlete, the University of Michigan, um, who is widely successful already. Um, and I've seen some of these, these big-time deals. But there is a notion that it's going to be a men-dominant thing and women are going to be kind of left behind. And so how do you deal with, if that is if that is perception or truth, how do you deal with the gender equity part of this at a place like Ohio State? Yeah, it's definitely something that we've been talking about since the beginning of NIL. Um, and, you know, the challenge is, is what we're seeing right now, at least in these first three months of NIL, is it's really driven by the market, the demand of the market. Um, and, you know, I think... We obviously have done a, you know, a good job at spreading out the education and, you know, making sure that all of our 1,000 student athletes understand what the opportunities are and and they can engage or not with uh, the opportunity for NIL. You know, is it is it going to be perfect perfectly equitable? It's too soon to tell. Um, you know, right now I think the excitement is obviously around football being in season. You know, as some of our other sports get going, you know, I, I hope to see more activity for some of our other Olympic sports. Um, but I just, you know, I think it's too soon to, to truly know what the impact is going to be. Carrie, you know, Michael, to your point earlier, you, you, you made the point about, you know, we know about some of the sensational big seven figure kind of deals, but uh, other athletes are going to be asking, where's my piece of the pie? Can you break down, Carrie, and paint a picture for us of maybe some of the, given the disclosures required, some of the deals that are getting done that may not be the seven-figure kinds of deals, but yet interesting and enlightening to athletes who might be listening saying, you know, what can I do? What is within my grasp and reach to really get something done here? What are some of the things yeah. that you see that are getting done that are really creative and interesting at a level where, you know, more athletes could achieve themselves? 
Right. Yeah, I mean, this summer we had one of our women's volleyball players. Um, she had, gosh, I want to say over 80 clinics and camps that she ran private lessons um, here locally with uh, volleyball players, and it was phenomenally successful. Um, and she was well organized and, and, and uh, promoted on her social media and, and did really, really well. Um, so she's really the only one in that space that, you know, has, you know, taken leaps and bounds in terms of the disclosures for each of those camps. I mean, she was busy this summer. Um, you know, other than that, I think, I think the, the most interesting ones are, are people that um, may have interests even outside of their sports that are uh, partnering with brands that just align with them personally. Um, you know, so, it, you know, maybe it's a, a yoga or, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, nutritional supplements and, um, you know, but it, but it, again, a lot of times it's a yeah. one-off social media post and, you know, maybe that builds into something beyond that. But for me, those are the ones that, you know, when, when you think about name, image, and likeness and, and, and why we're here, you know, the other real interesting dynamic is the relationship with the university, right? So student athletes at Ohio State can't promote and monetize with their Ohio State uniform on, um, right? So it's like a, it's a distinction. Their, you, you know, their, their identity as an Ohio State student athlete is obviously what makes their NIL valuable. Um, but for the company to really take advantage of them as an Ohio State student athlete, the, the opportunities are limited. They're limited. And I think it makes a point, too, about the importance of thinking if you're an athlete, thinking local, locally. You know, there are mm-hmm. there are if, if you're in a local community, a local college town, certainly people are going to know you there more likely than they might nationally um, the uh, two across places, the board. Jeff, yeah. The two places are in Columbus and in your hometown. In your hometown. Sure. Those are the yeah. two sure. places sure. because you're already a big deal coming out of your hometown. Right. And then you can be a big deal in Columbus. Yeah. And I love that, Carrie, you mentioned the yoga because this is what I tell my students, and I have a number of student athletes in my uh, class at Michigan, and I say to them, I say, go out there and think to yourself, like, where's the restaurant that I go all the time? Where's the place that I go three times a week because they make a great burrito or they make a great right. sub? Or where is the place, like, I, I have a student who's like, well, you know, I, I'm one of the rare people that has a couple of dogs that live with me on campus. And I said, well, you know what? There are pet stores on yeah. campus right. that are going, that would love to have you talk about your dogs and your experience. I said, go out and do those. And those are not going to be six figure deals. They're probably not even going to be five figure deals, but they right. could be three or four figure deals. And those could be opportunities that each, every person can take advantage of. And right. I think that is what needs to be understood about this is again, I don't think most student athletes are going to make a million dollars off this, right. no. but every student athlete is going to have an opportunity if they, and this is where I think it's so critically important, Carrie, and it sounds like Ohio State's been doing this for a long time, is that you put the mechanisms in place and you mentioned like the, the branding and the marketing and stuff like that. And where it looks like Ohio State is one of the leading institutions ahead of other programs is that you've been working on this for 18 months because these students don't, they're not marketers. They're not personal branders. They're not accountants. They're right. not attorneys. They need all of this help in order to go out there and take advantage. Absolutely. And you, and you make a great point. I mean, the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is, is this is work. Like NIL, NIL is no different than having a part-time job or, um, you know, working on campus. You, you, you know, the opportunities are not going to flood to you. If you want to build something, it's work. And so you have to take time out of your class, out of your training, out of your strength training to do this. And, and honestly, I think that there's a percentage of our population that, that just is not interested or doesn't have the time or, you know, just may not be willing to 
to put in the effort um, to potentially create opportunities for themselves. Well, it all comes down to cost benefit. And Carrie, just uh, wanted to press you a little further on some of the deals you're seeing getting done. And to put this in perspective and in context, if I'm an athlete out there listening to the show and I want to know what can I do, we, we've you know given some good guidance on that, but what's it worth to me? So I'm going to go out and do something in exchange to make what kind of money? Can you share with us, you know, given again, given the disclosures required, the kinds yeah. of deals you're seeing getting done and, and, and indicate the kind of the monetary uh, benefit to the athlete? Yeah. You know, so I, I did a quick rundown this morning before um, we logged on here. And so at this moment, we've had 415 deals disclosed. Um, you know, obviously, the some of the larger football ones throw off the average. But on average, our student athletes are making roughly $1,500. I think the biggest challenge for all these people is I spoke to someone yesterday who said, you know, after one of our matches, we signed a whole bunch of autographs for young kids and we did it all for free. And she said, should I have been asking us to charge money for that event. And I said, well, here is the hard part is as a student athlete at this institution, they're going to ask you to sign autographs and take selfies after matches, because that's going to build a fan brand and loyalty. Yep. But what do you do? Do you say like, well, I'm not going to sign anything if I, if I don't get paid for this by the university there, it's, it, there's going to be this give and take. But I said to her is I said, you know what? Sign those autographs because what you're going to do is you're going to develop a whole bunch of fans and when yep. you get those fans, then you can turn it into something down the road. But there's a that, that's the hard part, Carrie. And I feel really bad for the student athlete. I feel bad for, uh, you know, the 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 institutions trying to navigate this. Is you have known one way, for mm-hmm. like I said, for you've been in this for 30, 40 years. You've known one way, and now you have to know this other way. And where do we? Where's the give and take? What do I ask my student athletes to do? If I have fan day for football or basketball, the men's and women's program come up, I have fan day and I ask them like, Hey, I need all of you to appear at this event and I need you to sign autographs. and I need you to do that. Well, should I be charging my, my fans right, right. money to come to this so that I can give it to the student athlete or do I still make it a free event? And do I require them to be there because this is building our brand? Or do I say you have the option to be there based off of whether or not you want to let there's a lot going on into this. And as you said, and I think, you know, kind of sum up like every day is a learning experience for everyone involved. And so, Michael, now moving from a perspective from a major university engaged now in, in NIL opportunities to an athlete who's trying to search and find his or her opportunity, specifically as it relates to NIL, we're going to have a great guest on now who's going to focus on putting this all in context from the athlete's perspective. Michael. All right. Well, joining us, uh, Hunter Dickinson, arguably the best basketball player in the Big Ten, returning for his uh, sophomore season at the University of Michigan. Hunter came across our pass a couple of months back. He actually did an interview with a former Michigan basketball player named Stu Douglas. Great guy. Played in Israel. Was on one of the first uh, Michigan teams that won a Big Ten title under John Beeline. And, you know, this is the first time. So, like, Hunter was on this podcast, and he was talking about name, image, and likeness. And I noticed you know, a little bit of frustration, I would say, with Hunter Dickinson. And since then, there's been a lot of things that we've learned. But Hunter, I want, you know, for this purposes of this name, image, like this podcast that we're doing, I want to talk about a couple of different issues with you. And so tell me this, like, when did you first become aware of this idea of name, image, and likeness? Was it back in the spring? Was it last year? Did Juwan Howard, your coach at Michigan, talk to you about it? Or was it literally July 1st, 2021, when the NCAA essentially said, that every student athlete in college athletics can now benefit from their own personal brand. I think it was when, um, I think the first state was either California or I think it was California when they decided to pass the bill saying like, I think this was last year that this year, um, 
student athletes would be able to make money off their image and likeness. And so that was when like, I first kind of, you know, under like learned about what um, NLI meant. And so ever, ever since then, you know, like there was always talks about, you know, it eventually going to come to fruition and, you know, become, you know, something that's actually like a legit, a legitimate law in college athletics. And so I think that's when it jump started. And then I think Florida came after it and then Michigan came out with something talking about in like the 2023, 20, 2024 20, year, they were going to have their own NLI stuff. So I think like it was just a um, slow kind of development thing that happened. So because of that, Hunter, because of the fact that you came aware of it before you enrolled at the University of Michigan, and and yes, I mean, California, North Carolina, Florida, Texas were all the states that were leading this charge, and it was announced like different times. Some states were going to go into effect in 2020. Some were going to go into effect in 2021. Some in 2022. Michigan is, the law is not supposed to go into effect until January of 2022, but now everybody can do it because of the NCAA. Was that something that you and you think other players out there, recruits, were considering as you were making your college decisions, knowing the state of California is going to be doing it first, North Carolina is going to be doing it second, Florida is going to be doing it third. Yeah, maybe I want to go to the University of Michigan, but while I'm there, this may not be a law yet. Yeah, for sure. I think at the time when California signed theirs, I had already signed with Michigan, so I think I was like already pretty committed there, and so like I was already, you know, I was happy with my decision because. You know, for me and my college recruitment, that was so stressful for me to try to pick a school. And once I finally had one, I was so happy because, you know, all the recruitment stuff was over. And so I was pretty, you know, fine and happy with my decision. But if I had been, you know, like a junior or a sophomore, I think that's something that I would have definitely considered when looking at schools. Because, I mean, the difference between, you know, you being able to play in California and being able to make NIL deals, but then you know, you go to a place like Michigan or, you know, say like Duke or someone like that. And you can't do, I mean, you're, lo- you're losing out on a lot of money that potentially um, you could earn. And so for me, um, in my situation, I think like it was later in the game to where I was already fine with, you know, my, my um, college decision. And I wasn't really, um, I don't think able to kind of maneuver my way out of that um signature for to Michigan and so um but I think if I was younger that would have had a bigger um, impact in my recruitment for sure hey Hunter I'm curious how much has this made its way into the culture among the other athletes that you know you interact with all the time I mean are guys talking about this would you say a lot a little is it you know is it a major focus what are you hearing um I think you know in terms of the locker room I really haven't heard it at all pretty much like I mean Adrian told me you know, a couple, he told me a couple of his, you know, because we're pretty close. So we'll talk about, you know, some deals. But, um, like, when we're all in the locker room, it's not, like, you know, a, a topic that we're all um, kind of conversing about. I think it's more like one-on-one conversations. And then um, I think that's throughout the entire university. Um, like, you know, when I'm hanging out with people one-on-one, they might talk about, you know, certain deals that are on the horizon for them or, you know, like asking me what, you know, companies are – about and stuff like that but i think in general it's it's not like a you know what like uh what companies are you after you know like big talking points and stuff like that i think it's more like low-key under the table kind of conversations right now yeah so for you personally how focused are you on this i I think i've flip-flopped a couple times um you know when i first decided i was coming back um i wasn't really too 
interested in doing a lot of deals. And then I think, you know, once I got on campus towards the end of July, early August, I thought that, you know, maybe I should try to go out and do, you know, a couple of deals, probably, you know, just like um, do as many as I can, honestly, and, mm-hmm. you know, cash in on, you know, the opportunity and everything. And then now I'm kind of back to where I started, where, you know, I don't want to really do too much because it, it's a, it is a lot of, you know, added stress. Um, you know, I remember last season I wasn't just stressed out about my schedule and stuff mm-hmm. like that because, you know, I feel like it can it can feel like you're being pulled in a couple of different directions with, you know, people contacting you uh, through all different sorts of media outlets. And then, you know, they're offering you contracts and, you know, you're sending contracts to your advisors and stuff like that. And you're waiting for them to get back and you're waiting for companies to get back to your advisor about, you know, certain things and stuff like that. So it's a big, it's, I, I personally think it's, you know, a little stressful for me. So that's why, you know, I'm not, over there promoting 30 different brands on my Instagram every day. And so for me, I think um, I'll do brands that I really enjoy and I really um, feel like are a part of me. Um, But then, you know, mostly just stuff around Ann Arbor that I support. Um, And then maybe a couple of national brands once the season starts, but I don't think, you know, I'm going to be trying to, you know, wear stuff like all, all throughout the year. Well, you do have big Dickinson energy, man. You got your own brand, so uh, yeah, exactly. you, you you can do that. I, I I think I think the interesting thing, Hunter, and something that we've uh, we've talked to, I've talked to with other people is like Hunter Dickinson is the big Dickinson brand is a brand because of what you do on the basketball court, uh, because of the in your face style that you have. Uh, against opponents because of the energy and excitement and swagger you bring to the University of Michigan. And when you talk about like, hey, you know, I, I I don't want to deal with 30 brands. I don't do this. Like at the end of the day, I mean, if you're not Hunter Dickinson for Michigan basketball, if you're not on the court, if you're not doing the things that you did a year ago and improve upon them, then your brand is really not that special because you've got to perform in order to stay relevant. And so I think there's this great balance of, as you said, I mean, yeah, hey, I'd love to sign a, a you know a couple of deals with local companies, but I got my focus has got to be on basketball. My focus has got to be on my team. My focus has got to be on the Final Four, and my focus has got to be on staying in school and academics and getting towards my degree. You know, that's one of the things I'm really curious about is like how do you balance all this different stuff, and where does this where does name image likeness fall in the priority list for you? Exactly. I mean, that's that's a great point. Um, keeping the main thing, the main thing is um, something that. I'm really trying to do right now. Um, like you said, if <laughs> nobody's going to want you if you're not, you know, performing out on the court. And so for me, um, I think NIL deals is something that's really important for me. Um, I'm, right now, I'm gonna, if I had the choice to, you know, do an appearance or go work out, um, I'd have to take the workout right now because, you know, I still have goals that are bigger than just, you know, signing with, you know, like let's just say. Outback Steakhouse or something like that. I have, you know, goals to hopefully play professionally eventually. And so for me, um, just keeping the main thing, the main thing is really important for me. And I'd say um, basketball is definitely number one in my priorities. Um, and then NLI is, you know, pretty, I mean, it, it, it's up there because, you know, it's like a way to make money and, you know, just help me live in college and be a good college student. But I wouldn't say it's, you know, too far down the list, but it's not 
um, in terms, it's not up there with basketball and school right now for sure. Yeah. And Hunter, I, I think when you talk about basketball and basketball is your future, right? I mean, if you make it to the NBA, if you're a first or second round draft pick, you can talking about, uh, Hey, if I'm a first round pick after this season, you know, the guaranteed contract, I get a million, like a million bucks a year. Um, or, I, and, and so why would that not be my focus when name, image, and likeness, I maybe mean, I'm getting paid a couple thousand dollars a month. Um, you know, or if I go play in Europe, uh, if I decide to take that route, I mean, a couple hundred thousand bucks, maybe it's, maybe it's close to a million dollars or I can pay attention to name, image and likeness. And so I guess my question is, is, you know, is, is how much, you know, how much is name, image and likeness? I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, you can tell us, reveal how much you want, but like, are you making 10 grand a month off this? Are you making like a grand a month off this? I mean, where is, you know, where's the value? Cause we've heard some big name athletes, Bryce Young from Alabama, Hey, he's making a million dollars off this Quinn Ewers from Ohio state making 1.4 million. But as, as I think you're well aware, like I don't, I don't see a ton of athletes making million dollar deals. I see a lot of athletes that are just taking advantage of local opportunities. Yeah. I think that's um, what more like is more reasonable with NIL now. Um, like in terms of making million dollar deals, I think those would probably be, you know, maybe 10 a year. If that probably more closer to five. Um, those will probably be for just very special circumstances, guys getting those kind of deals. Um, I think for me, you know, mine has just been, you know, a couple small deals with local um, places and stuff like that. But um, I really appreciate them because it's like, you know, they're just helping me kind of feel more financially stable throughout my college experience. You know, I remember last year, um, like I wasn't broke or anything, but like it was just like you can't, you know, you got to be careful with your money and not, overspend and you know got to really be careful about everything but now it's like you can you know be a little bit more i want to say lavish with your money but like just a, a little looser you got some more change coming in yeah exactly a little looser and so that's yeah. what i really appreciate and I'm, I'm fine with you know what i'm doing right now i'm not trying to like feed a family or anything with right what i'm making an nio and so for me um it's just like a couple of small things you know i'd say Probably like a, like a couple thousand, you know, less than 10,000 for sure a month. Probably closer, like, probably in like the one to 5,000 range a month. Hey, Hunter, walk us through, how does a deal happen for you? Are they coming to you? Do they, do they, how do they reach out to you? How does that happen kind of from, you know, right from the beginning all the way to how it closes? Yeah, um, a lot of deals, I'd say people are reaching out to me. Um, it's, uh, like I said, um, just a couple seconds ago, like I'm not trying to go out there and overextend and like, feel like I'm being pulled in every direction. So if a company, um, really wants me, I think, um, like, you know, they can reach out to me and if I'm interested in them, then I'll, you know, like usually on Instagram, you know, they'll DM me and stuff like that and like send me products and, you know, send me clothes and stuff like that. And so that's how most of it happens. Um, other ones are through connections, you know, with people I know or people reaching out to me talking about, like, I can connect you with these people here and stuff like that. So I think through, like, social media and just personal connections are my biggest right now. I, I have reached out to one company, um, and then, like, they were able to, I guess, um, like, they were interested back in me, and so that is how our NLA deal started. But I think that was, like, the only one that I actually personally reached out to. And what about, you know, is there a contract involved? Literally a written contract that you guys signed, to, you know, in deals like this? 
Yes, yeah, um, they're all contracts, all written contracts that are usually mobile and, you know, like sent through emails and stuff like that. I'm curious, Hunter, I mean, an athlete, how, how do you know, you know, I mean, uh, you probably haven't done a lot of contracts in your life. This is my yeah. problem. This is my problem I mean, with name, image, and likeness yeah, stuff. Is, right. Is I've seen some of these contracts, and and I think my biggest fear as a as a teacher, as a mentor, as a as a as a podcast host, is like a, a young man like Hunter Dickinson, uh, who I've had the chance to meet a couple of times. I mean, he's a great kid. He's a great he's a great young man. I should say, not a great kid. He's a great young man. Like I don't want to see Hunter Dickinson get taken advantage right. of. And like, that's what concerns me. And so like Hunter, you know, do you have an attorney? Do you have an accountant? Do you have, uh, you, you know, you, you are now allowed to use an agent, but is that agent looking out for your best interest? And I think what it all comes down to too, is that something that you've expressed some frustration about is like, what is the role of the university of Michigan in all of this? You know, you're, they act as, uh, someone you have to get your contracts approved, but what are they doing for you? You know, they can't facilitate the deals, but are they offering you advice? Are they offering you counsel? Are they putting you in position to be successful? What is a University of Michigan doing for its athletes? Yeah, you guys are right. Um, like I just, when I look at the contract, you know, I, I can pick out a couple words, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, I don't know what a contract right. fully says. And, it, and so um, I do have a lawyer that um, I can use if I, if I needed to. I have an advisor that I send most of my contracts too. Um, he's somebody that um, was referred to me and somebody that I really trust. Um, I really trust the person that they referred them to me. And so <clears throat> for me, um, you know, I trust them with uh, reading over the contracts and stuff like that. Um, in terms of the university of Michigan, I mean, you're able, um, I guess you're supposed to send them like each contract that you get. And just in terms of making sure it's, all good with compliance and keeping your MCA eligibility. But, um, and so I think they're allowed to kind of, uh, I guess, advise you a little bit on, you know, whether or not like this is a good deal for you. But um, at the end of the day, it's the student athlete's decision on whether or not they want to do it. <clears throat> and so for me, um, you know, I'd rather, I personally trust my advisors over the, Michigan people at this point. You know, I am curious, Hunter, when you're at a university in a major college program like you are, how much of the conversation and how much support do you get from the university and how much awareness is centered on the, let me just say it very specifically as it relates to you, the path to the NBA. And are you getting support there? Because I see this as a corollary, Michael. I mean, you know, kids, whether it be at the recruiting level or once they're there, they're looking at that path if they've got that opportunity. Or let's just say to professional basketball, regardless of the league. Are you getting support from the university in that respect when you look for guidance and, and, and so on? Um, not really um, in terms of, I guess, like looking towards like professional basketball. Um, I think that's more of like your basketball um, coaches helping you out with that. Like, um, I mean, I, the university has people that, you know, I think are more tailored to helping you outside of basketball, like, life beyond basketball they have people in place i know um, they got my guy mo out there who's um dedicated to helping people you know with basketball out like or with life outside of basketball helping you trying to make that transition from once the basketball stops to i have to find a job now or i have to find something that you know can occupy my time i think michigan does a good job of that but in terms of 
you know, your professional route, I don't think they have anything set up that I'm personally aware of to help you with that. It's fair to say, especially at the recruiting stage, you know, among the many things that you look at in choosing the university that you're ultimately going to select, if you've got the kind of potential to ultimately play professional sports one day, you're looking at that path, right? Uh, and the, the kind of, you know, support kind of track record the university has in fostering its athletes and moving them on from college sports to professional sports. But be- before Hunter answers that, I think that is where someone like a Juwan Howard comes into play. It does. Yeah. And, and that is why someone picks going to a place That's, like Michigan because of Juwan Howard. Yeah. And it's, that is what coaches to some degree have become. They've become, uh, yes, they're trying to get the most out of you in college, but they're also trying to offer you that assistance to prepare you to be the best NBA prospect you can be. And that's where Juwan Howard is invaluable because he spent 15, 18 years in the NBA. And I would imagine Hunter, a good reason that you went to University of Michigan was because of the presence of Juwan Howard and how he and his staff could prepare you for those opportunities. Yes, for sure. I mean, that is definitely um, one of the main reasons why I chose Michigan was because I knew that, you know, I'd be able to be coached by somebody who played almost 20 years in the NBA, was an assistant coach in the NBA, like knows everything about the NBA, honestly. And so for me, that was definitely a big deciding factor. I mean, being able to choose Coach Howard over, you know, like a 5'10 white guy who, you know, never played in the NBA, I think, um, Coach Howard definitely has more of a, I wouldn't say knowledge, but like, I guess, path to the NBA that he can show you and try to give you as much knowledge as, as he can. And so for me, that was something that, I mean, because kids coming out of high school, if you're a four-star nowadays, I mean, every I think every four-star in the country believes they have a shot of making mm-hmm. the NBA. So mm-hmm. um, those are kind of the players that Michigan is recruiting now, you know, they're I think with Coach Howard now, we're going to be able to get a lot more highly rated players. And so for the players coming in, you know, they have aspirations of going to the NBA. Um, Being able to play for a guy like Coach Howard is, um, I think, you know, one of the best situations in college basketball right now if you want to play in the NBA because he's going to give you an um, NBA-style playbook, um, how they guard NBA things. I remember when I went and worked out for the Kings, um, we did, in terms of drills, we did cone shooting, which we do at least probably once to twice a week. That was the first thing we did in the drills. And then uh, once we start playing three-on-three, three, we're doing sets that um, are exactly what we do at Michigan. So for me, it was really um, satisfying. And I remember after the workout, I called Coach Howard and told him like how similar our practices and our philosophies and our concepts are to the NBA and how much, you know, people just don't realize it in the moment, but afterwards, you know, they, they are just grateful for, you know, the kind of teaching that coach Howard was able to give them. Jeff, as we're finishing up here with Hunter Dickinson, one thing, so I'm really curious about this. So like, have you ever seen his big Dickinson energy? He's like, he's got t-shirts and stuff like that. And he does, he has created his own personal brand, Mm -hmm. whether or not, Hunter knowingly conscientiously did it a year ago or not uh, because a year ago name image likeness was not a thing and I think you know I saw people who were trying to sell like uh, you know big dick you know and stuff like that as on t-shirts and, and things and I thought like you know they're they're essentially taking his brand and they're using it for their own advantage um, which now I'm glad that he can he can take advantage of that big Dickinson energy but that is to me like Hunter Dickinson goes out there and is Big Ten Player of the Year, 
and leads Michigan in the final four. Like I think his big Dickinson energy, his big Dickinson is a very marketable, has a lot of power. I think what the problem is and what I, where schools can help where surrounding hunters with the right hunter with the right people is, is like, I think that is worth a hundred thousand dollars or more. I really do. And the problem is, is like right now, there's not the mechanisms in place without a lot of help in order for you to, to realize that full market value. And like, look at like, he is the best player in the big 10, the best player in the big 10. And so I'm a little bit curious from Hunter's perspective and Jeff, you're, you've got all this business background uh, with startup nation and entrepreneurs, and you've run a lot of successful businesses. Like how does he realize his market value? First of all, I, I want to make a comment on the fact there's nothing more powerful and potent than the authenticity and the energy that comes behind your own brand and putting it on something where you're really the, you know, the, the master of that universe. And uh, that, that's a very powerful thing. By the way, Hunter, you got to get your brand uh, trademarked, right? The trademark is pending. I put the trademark in Beautiful. Like three months ago, so all right. it's on the way. Right on. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you put the value at a hundred thousand. I think Hunter was thinking seven figures there, Michael. He might be. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Well, and, and, and Jeff, I mean, look, I don't know. And this is what my last thing that I'm curious about Hunter is like how much of, you know, you came back for your sophomore year at Michigan. You've got a lot to accomplish. I read the stories like, Hey, you know, this is the type of player who needs to play in front of a crowd. This is the type of player who's going to feed off of that energy home and away you know, like I said, I mean, people, opponents loathe Hunter Dickinson, but he <laughs> loves that. Right, of course. And his team and his fans just absolutely adore him and want to go to go to battle with him. And and so when you when you look at Hunter, you know, you came back to Michigan for another year. You know, is there any incentive? Would there be anything that brings him back for another year? Would it be like if he was making a million? Could it be NIL? Yeah, if he was right. making a, if you were making a million dollars off of NIL, would that say, hey, I'm going to stick at Michigan for another year? Or is it more about, look, I want to play in the NBA. It's been a lifelong dream. I want to give everything I've got. And that for me is one year from now. Yeah, I think like that is a, you know, a really good point. I think for some players, that's going to be a really tough decision if they are able to benefit um, greatly from NIL. I always mess that up. But um, for me, you know, that's something that I'm not really like really thinking about right now and like i know that's like a really good question and something that shoot i might be thinking about now but um in terms <laughs> of this season um i just really want to make this season you know special for me and you know my teammates and the coaches and everything and so for me um i know last year like the nba stuff during the season was something that was a distract distraction for me um just like trying to make it not as much a distraction as possible but it was just in- inevitable, you know, because of, you know, like where we were and stuff like that. But this year, I think um, I've done a really good job of just trying to get better with my teammates each and every day, trying to um, just make sure my, like the freshmen are moving along and getting up to speed, making sure Devontae's um, grasping, you know, the offensive playbook and just making sure, you know, the returners are improving each day. I think just making sure that this season is being, is going to be as special as, you know, um, we can make it is my number one priority. And then after the season, um, I'll just take everything into consideration after that. Absolutely. Sounds good, Hunter. Michael, we're going to move now from, uh, you know, we've kind of heard from a, from the university perspective, the athletic department perspective now to a, an athlete searching for his way to uh, make this NIL thing work for him. 
And now to, you know, a really groundbreaking deal that's been made by a brand in the field of NIL. We're not talking small change here. This is a big deal and a groundbreaking one at that. Tell us, you know, why you think this is interesting and relevant. Well, I think most of the announcements that have happened in the first couple of months of name, image, and likeness have been individual athletes signing deals with companies, whether it's a car dealership or uh, a T brand like down with uh, in Auburn, Bo Nix. It's been a lot of, you know, one-on-one. This is a team deal. This is a, I'm signing, you know, all the guys on the Michigan State basketball team, all the guys on the Michigan State football team. And they all get the same amount. They all get the same amount. Right. And so is this the future of name, image, and likeness? Instead of it being one-offs with popular individual athletes, are businesses looking out there to sign with whole teams? And what are the benefits? What are the reasons behind that makes a lot of sense for business owners to jump on board with an entire team? What are all the implications that come from it? What are all the implications and what are all the drivers? Is this a lover of a university, a booster of a university making a deal of his or her beloved university? Is this strictly a business deal? We want to know what drives deals like this. And let's get right into it. We've got Matt Ishbia. Matt, you're the leader of uh, United Wholesale Mortgage. You've just made this groundbreaking deal. We want to hear all about it. Welcome to the Name, Image, and Likeness Report, Matt. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I think what's really interesting to me, Matt, is you were one of the first alums, first significant, uh, you know, you're, you're a donor. You donated $32 million to the athletic department of Michigan State uh, just a while back. And you were one of the first ones to create like a big headline nationally that you were going to do something with the Michigan State basketball and football teams. And we've seen a couple of these deals, but I would love for you to kind of tell us, talk us through a little bit uh, how you came up with this, this deal for Michigan State. Um, and, and kind of like, you know, from, from what I've read, $500 a month, which over the course of 12 months, we can all do math, six grand a year, you know, how many players are being impacted by this? So kind of just tell us about the deal and why you decided it. Yeah. So no, thanks. Thanks a lot. You know, we're proud to be able to help support Michigan state and the athletes there. You know, obviously my personal donation of $32 million earlier in the year was for the athletic department. Obviously that helps a lot of uh, team members of Michigan state, all athletes past, present, and future. Um, the concept here was, Hey, you know, the new rules came out and it's wow. These guys, these guys at Michigan state football and basketball team, we have a relationship with them. How can I maybe help them while they help us at my business here, UWM helping one of the big poverty of going public, as you mentioned earlier, is we're trying to educate consumers about the best way to get a mortgage through find a mortgagebroker.com or going to a local person. And so how do we do that? Well, I got to tell people about it. And one way to tell people about it is, is, is people like athletes posting on social media. So the concept was, can I use my business goals and help some Spartan athletes and take care of the Spartan family at the same time? And we put together a deal that really accomplished that. One of the key things to the deal was, though, not pay a big-time player a certain amount. It was everybody, a Spartan family, one through 15 on the basketball team, one through 120 on the football team. Everyone's part of the deal. Same deal for everyone. And that was the concept, and it's uh, worked out really, really well for them and for us at UWM. Well, Matt, let me ask you this question. How does something like that come together? Because uh, that's you just mentioned 15 guys on the basketball team, 120 guys on the football team. That's a lot of people to, to strike a deal with. And I got to imagine there was some type of point person or something that, um, you know, you, you're, you're a great guy, but you're probably not calling up 135, 18 to 22-year-olds on the <laughs> phone and saying, hey, can I, can I offer you this opportunity? So how does that come together? Yeah. So what's interesting about the name management, like you can't, I, I never, I didn't call coaches or call coach Tucker, coach Tucker or, or the athletic directors. Like we didn't get involved with that. We had to go to each player. And that's why we started with football and basketball to see how this would work in the process. And so Mateen Cleves, who works here at my company with me, who's obviously 
super athlete, super Michigan State basketball player, the best of all time, um, went up there and met with a lot of the players. Mm. And one-on-one players, or sometimes one in six, you know, six guys sit in a room with him. He went over that the thing was, hey, we're taking care of every player all the same. I don't care if you're a walk-on, I don't care if you're a starter. And he went through it with them and, and had the relationship with the football and basketball players to kind of get it across the finish line for us. And so Mateen did that personally, and that's one of the things that people don't understand. It's not make a phone call to the athletic director of the university and try to get it done. You actually got to talk to each player, explain it, show them the contract, explain the benefit. The university has to review it, and then you can make it happen. Matt, it's interesting because you guys made this deal, uh, I don't know the exact date, but it was before football season started, right? It was before uh, anything got going. And you just said something really interesting to me. You said uh, that you wanted every guy to be treated equally. Everybody's getting the same deal. Now, I'm curious about that a little bit because since you made that deal, Kenneth Walker the Michigan State running back, who is a early Heisman favorite, has gone out there and blown the doors off of college football. And uh, Jared Naylor has done awesome for Michigan State wide receiver and Peyton Thorne. So you've got these guys who are now superstars who are going to command probably more attention. You talked about how you know this can be good for your business because these guys, you know, all these athletes have social media, but Peyton Thorne and Kenneth Walker are getting a lot more attention than anybody else. So is there a idea of like, Hey, I'm going to go back to the table and offer, you know, a, a greater opportunity to these guys or, or is the idea of keeping everybody even important to you because of the locker room dynamics? Yeah. So our, our concept was everyone equally, obviously Kenneth Walker is doing amazing Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed, like Jalen Naylor, all these guys, but also a lot of the great defender player. A lot of people are following them, but you know what the concept was, we take care of the Spartan family, every player, one through one thirty three, one through one twenty, whatever the numbers are. And so that was the concept. That was the idea. I've not gone back to them and don't plan on it. They haven't come back to us. They've all been posting and, and helping our brand as brand ambassadors for UWM. And at the same time, we're, we've been paying them and taking care of every player. Once again, it's a team thing. Like the, the big thing with team talked to them and I talked to Mateen and we've kind of put together Adam Wolf here on my office also played basketball with me, um, helped put this together as well. Said, Hey, listen, this is about a team and a Spartan family and we're going to help all of you and you're going to help us and we're going to win together. That's what we do as Spartans. And, and that was the concept and it's worked great. And obviously the Michigan state football team doing so well and Kenneth the Walker, some of these guys playing so great that obviously helps us even more, but at the same time, the, the, the third string walk on linebacker is getting the same amount as well. And that's, that's very important to me that we're family and everyone gets taken care of. Well, I think it's amazing. It's a groundbreaking deal, Matt. Let me ask you from the business side of things, as from a United Wholesale Mortgage perspective, you've got a marketing budget, you've got ad dollars to spend, sponsor dollars to spend, you know, you've got a marketing budget. Now, out of that marketing budget, you can allocate your dollars here, there, or wherever else. You decided to market to apportion some, some bit of that marketing budget to this program. I'm curious, how do you police, and are you guys policing, the deliverables expected out of the players, or is it kind of a soft thing? And or two, what do you do in the event? It's one thing when you hire on a sponsor or a big name, personal brand to represent a company's image and, you know, and their product that they're selling and so on. But how do you police all these young kids uh, out there? You're not going to want them you know, running amok even casually with a, with a UWM hat on, you know, how do you feel about all that? And is that really a factor or an issue to you? You know, so it's not really an issue. Of course, we have different things that we can, if, we have, if something were to go crazy, we have to uh, protect the company's brand. But I, I, these are Spartan family. We take care of each other. Will somebody do something stupid or something? Like, I, 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 I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on we're doing right by them. They're doing right by us. Let's take care of each other. Um, and, you know, I'm not focused. Are we tracking how many times they post? Absolutely. That's part yeah. of the deal. Like they're, 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 pay, they're paid to, to be our brand ambassador, and they post online. Um, on the different platform that they're already on. 
and they're for their followers to see. And, and so we've done that and we are tracking that, but at the same time, we're, you know, we're not, you know, finding out you know, what they're doing at night and what other posts sure, they're sure, making. Sure. Like, like I said, it's, we're yeah. Spartan family. We take care of each other and, and they're taking care of our business. All right. Right on. Would you say that the program has borne the kind of fruit and proven successful as you hoped it would? Uh, how do you feel about it now that you're into it a little bit here? Yeah, I'm real happy with it. You know, it's still very early to tell on the, on the business value, but at the same time, I know it's helped the Spartan athletes, which is a big part of the, of the thought process and the business value. I definitely see, as you point out, some of these guys have done really well. The basketball season hasn't even started and, and I'm sure some of those guys will do great. And, so I'm excited about that and getting more people to have eyeballs on UWM and our find a mortgage broker website and all those things. And so we're excited about it so far. I'd say it's gone extremely well, maybe even better than expected in some aspects. Yeah. And as the leader of this great company, do you envision doing other, I guess what I'm trying to drive it is this. I know you keep mentioning as part of the Spartan family, you're taking care of everybody. That's beautiful, by the way. And MSU is so lucky to have you, but from a business standpoint, do you see you guys as a company making decisions in those marketing bu- budget allocation meetings, you know, and doing other things like this more broadly beyond Michigan State? Is this going to be part of the strategy? Do you see name, image, and likeness as a tactic, a strategy that you guys are going to use more broadly to uh, promote the company and its offerings? He's asking you if you would ever sign a Wolverine. <laughs> that would be the ultimate <laughs> test. That's not going to well, happen. It, yeah. So, yeah, I would I would sign a Wolverine as long as they paid me. That's ah, the only there you way go. I would do it that all way. Right. And I don't even know if I'd allow that anyways. But uh, no, you know, so we look at all things. We do a thing with the Pistons. I did a thing with the Red Wings. I do a thing with uh, Little Caesars Arena. I do a thing at Pine Knob. I do a thing with the Michigan State. So most of my stuff is in Michigan but national because we're obviously a national company. But, um, you know, do I think I'm going to look at the BYU football team or the USC basketball team? Probably not. Um, but at the same time, I, I won't close down those options, but the name engine likeness was, it's a two pronged approach, do good for our business, help, uh, help the Spartan family. And if it was just one of the two things, I probably wouldn't do it at least as our business right now, but other businesses might help them. But for us, it had to be the both, the combination of both from my, from my perspective. Yeah, man, I think you've, you've said the word Spartan like 700 <laughs> times, uh, in the, in the <laughs> 10 minutes, which, which leads me to, to this is, you know, I look and you're a proud Spartan and you're competitive and you just kind of joked about what you would not do with a Wolverine. You know, you've got, uh, there's other rivals for, for Tom Mizzo and Mel Tucker. There's Ohio state and there's Penn state in the big 10. And as of right now, there's only been one other institution, Ohio state that has had a big, big deal been announced. And, uh, that was with a quarterback, um, you know, getting a car and getting like a $1.4 million deal for the three years he's there. And so you, Michigan State has been the splashiest name out there. And I wonder, uh, as a proud Spartan, how much of what you're doing do you feel is a recruiting opportunity for Michigan State to say, hey, look, like it's happening right now, but I imagine you're going to keep doing this in the future. If you come to Michigan State and you're a basketball player, you're going to get a deal with Matt Ishbia and United Wholesale Mortgage. You're a football player, you're going to get a deal with Michigan State because that is going to be, I think, a differentiator in the future for all of these schools. Yeah. So I, I definitely see that perspective. You know, I don't think a kid's going to come to Michigan state because it's $500 a month, mm-hmm. but I do think this, and I think the parents, and this is the message that I think comes on the recruiting, the parents and the kid realize the Spartan family stays together. And a guy that played there 20 years ago is coming back and helping out these guys. And every player gets taken care of. It's not about the star player, like Ohio state. They got, they'll take care of the star player. That's not how we think about things in the Spartan family. And so if you're part of that group, 
you know, we think of things differently. Coach Tucker thinks of things differently. Coach Izzo, there's a reason that when I go back to Michigan State, Coach Izzo has 25 former NBA players. They're like, everyone comes back to be around him because he created this environment, this family together. And so I think it's not the mon- the monetary recruiting value, but it's the, hey, we say family, everybody says family, but Michigan State actually means it. The Spartan family matters. And I think Izzo's created that and Tucker's doing a good job starting that off already. Matt, just finishing up here with you, you said football, basketball, we're going to see how this goes. And now that you've seen how it goes, you know, what is next? Like, what, what else would you like to do uh, with, uh, with Michigan State? Is it expanding to other sports? Is it, uh, you know, hey, we'll make a three-year commitment? What, what makes the most sense for, for you and for the Spartan program? You know, so we're definitely looking at it. You know, our expectation is to continue on, on, on football and basketball. Uh, at the beginning, we originally, or the original concept was, can I do it for all 900 Michigan State athletes, mm-hmm. women's cross country and men's tennis and all the things. The problem is that logistically, as you pointed out earlier, me getting 130 meetings <laughs> in a, is, is a lot of work, let alone getting 900 and people don't even know who you are. I'm trying to get some guy that's on the men's soccer team like, that doesn't know who we like. That was a little more complex. So right now we're, we're walking before we run and we're going to see how this thing goes. Could I expand it? If I expanded, it would be at Michigan state university to take care of the Spartan family and UWM, our business. Um, not probably not beyond that, but right now I'm looking at, it's going really well. I'm off to a good start. We're only 45 days or 60 days since we've announced it. And so we're just kind of waiting to see how it all uh, shakes out. Yeah. It's really amazing. Michigan state's lucky to have you. You know, one thing we can all agree on is Michiganders. We're lucky to have you, Matt, and your company. And, you know, the thing I noticed about you, I've watched you. I've watched you through your career. You mentioned Spartan as many times as you did. You also mentioned the word family as many times, if not more. And I think this really speaks to who you are, what your values are. And, uh, again, those Spartans are lucky to have you, Matt. And thank you. Well, thank you for the kind words. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate what you guys are doing and uh, proud to continue to do good things for the state of Michigan. We're all here together as a team. So I appreciate you. That's great. Thank you. Matt Ashbia, United Wholesale Mortgage. All right. Well, incredible interview, groundbreaking stuff, Michael. I mean, our goal with this podcast is to bring information, best practices, news, the deals that are getting done, the, the way they're getting done what the terms of the deals are, why they're getting done here on the NIL report. And a really, really interesting inaugural show. Great doing it with you, Michael. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, and you learned three different perspectives. And that's what I think is really interesting about uh, today's show is learning a little bit from the administration standpoint, because they're a major player in this. Learning, obviously, from the athlete standpoint, because everything comes down to the deals that these individual athletes are going to be able to sign and who's advising them and and how it's all coming together. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting from Hunter Dickens was just talking about how do you focus on name, image, and likeness when you've got to focus on the basketball court too? Because without their success on the court, on the ice, on the field, on the diamond, they don't really have these opportunities. And so I thought that was really great. And then hearing from Matt Ishpia too and getting from the business owner standpoint, because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, Jeff, we'll talk about this a lot, but where is the motivation for the business owners to sign these name, image, and likeness deals? And if they're not eventually making some type of return on investment or on the personal branding, I don't know that they're going to want to keep on making these deals down the road. It'll be interesting to see a couple years from now what what deals are getting done, if they're getting done, and and then how and why at that point they're getting done and how they're being measured. Well, great stuff. Back next week with another episode here on the NIL Report. You're an athlete. You're a business. You're in the university environment. You're looking to understand what's happening in this space. Join us each week here on the NIL Report.